0: This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. So there was a man who wanted to have a sign from God. So he whispered to God, God, speak to me. And in that moment, a bird sang a beautiful song in the trees, but he didn't notice it. And he got frustrated, and he said, God, speak to me. And then thunder rolled through the sky, but the man didn't listen to it. And then the man looked around and tried a different tact. He said, God, let me me see you. And a star shone brightly in the sky, but the man didn't notice it. So he was getting more and more frustrated and he yelled, God, show me a miracle. And in that moment, a baby was born, but he was unaware of it. And finally, the man cried out in despair, God, touch me. Let me know you're here. So God reached down and touched the man on the shoulder, but he brushed the butterfly away and walked on speak to me, show me a miracle, let me know that you're with me. These are um, pleas that we have all made to God at one time or another. It's human nature, I think, to want assurance from God, assurance in our faith. And I've noticed that there are especially two situations in life when we especially want this assurance, especially ask for signs from God. And the first Situation in life when we do that is when we're going through something tough, when there is grief or sorrow, when there's a lot of stress or anxiety, when things are challenging and God feels far away, we ask for signs that God is near. And the second time that we often ask for signs from God is when we are sensing a calling. When we are sensing a call to do or be something that we haven't done before, maybe it's to step into leadership or into ministry or into a new role, and it's in those moments of uncertainty that we say, God, speak to me. Let me know that you're here. Today we're continuing a sermon series on the book of Judges. And Judges is the story Of ancient Israel as they are settling down into their promised land you see Moses delivered them from slavery in Egypt Joshua led them into the promised land and the dream was that once they settled in their land they would live in peace and harmony and God would be their king they didn't need a leader because God was their leader The story of Judges tells us a story of how that didn't always work because the Israelites, as people do, kept turning their back on God. You've seen this cycle, this image of the um, Judges circle every week. And what happens is that um, as Israel turns to God as they find their um, life and they trust in God there is a period of peace and harmony when God is their king but then something happens and Israel disobeys they rebel against God which means they often will worship other gods they will turn their back on God or look for help in other nations gods and their disobedience Um, Breeds consequences and oftentimes those consequences are oppression from another country And so the israelites are living in oppression Suddenly and they remember those days of peace and they cry out to God for help and God Sends them a deliverer a judge. He's not a king He's a judge who will deliver the Israelites from their oppression, which leads them back into a season of peace. And the cycle continues on and on. So today, we are going to talk about Gideon. Gideon. And his story is unique among the other stories and judges because we meet Gideon before he is called to be a judge. We get to see his progression from a young man into a judge. We get to witness his call story. And if you remember um, what I said about when we usually ask for signs, one is when life is really tough and circumstances are hard, and the second is when we're called into leadership. This is where we find Gideon. Both of those circumstances are very true in his life. So let me tell you a little bit of backstory of what Gideon is going through when we meet him. So last week and the week before, we talked about Deborah. After Deborah was a judge, there was peace for 40 years. So when the children, who were just babes, when Deborah was a judge, when they grew up, they grew up in the season of peace, but as they became adults, they did not heed the wisdom of their elders. They turned to other gods, particularly Baal. They began to worship Baal and um, erect altars in Baal's honor. And their disobedience had the consequence of oppression. And suddenly, the Midianites, who were their neighbors and their enemies, the ones who worshipped Baal, they began to to oppress God's people. And it was pretty brutal what they did. They were effectively trying to starve the Israelites to death. So they would wait until the Israelites would plant their farmlands. They would fatten up their donkeys and their cattle and their um, sheep. And right when things were about to all start to yield a harvest, the Midianites would invade. They would invade like a roaring tornado, and they would tear up the fields so that everything was planted was suddenly lost. They would slaughter all of the sheep and the oxen and the donkeys so that the Israelites were left with nothing to sustain themselves. Times were very tough. This is when we meet Gideon, when he's living through this disaster of Midian, trying to starve him and his family and his people. And we meet Gideon on his dad's farm. And Gideon is secretly trying to process wheat. And he's secretly doing it because he is at the wine press But he's not making wine he is processing the wheat so that his family can eat he is putting his life in danger to feed his own and there while gideon is working in secret an angel of the lord appears before him and the angel says the lord is with you mighty warrior and we quickly learn that gideon has an attitude because he says oh yeah if God is with us, then why is all this happening to us? Why am I having to process wheat and secret? If God is with us, then what about all those wonderful deeds that he did for our elders? God is not with us. God has cast us off. Now, these are really bold words for a young man to say to the angel of the Lord. I don't personally recommend it. But it went well for Gideon because the angel saw his heart. The angel saw that he was asking those deep questions of faith, those questions that we often ask when we are living through troubling times. Why? Why, God? Why is this happening? I thought you were trustworthy. I thought you would keep me. Why is this happening? And where are you? I call these moments faith-shaking moments in our lives, when there's a dissonance between what we believe in our hearts, what we know about God in our faith, and what we see as reality in our daily lives. We know that God is trustworthy, and yet we don't see direct evidence right in front of us. That's a faith-shaking moment. But the important thing to notice about Gideon in this moment is that, yes, even though he copped an attitude with the angel of the Lord, his heart was in the right place. Because Gideon wanted to believe. He wanted to trust. He wanted to have faith that God could deliver them. Gideon was asking for God to show him who he knew God was. So the angel said to Gideon, Go in this might of yours, or other words, in this attitude of yours, and go and deliver God's people. The angel said, I commission you to deliver God's people. So this is a really powerful moment in the life of Gideon because suddenly he's come from a young farmer and he's transformed by the angel's commissioning into a powerful Judge, a mighty warrior, the deliverer of Israel. So Gideon responds, as many of us do, when we are suddenly um, called into leadership or into a position that feels challenging or uncomfortable or maybe even impossible, Gideon panics. He says, whoa, 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 whoa. I can't do this. My clan is the weakest in this area, and I'm the youngest of my family. Surely you can find someone else to be judge of Israel. You didn't really mean to call me, did you? And that's when the angel of the Lord says to him, I will be with you. God will be with you. You can do this. So I can relate to Gideon. I have never had an encounter with an angel of the Lord, but when I was young, I began to sense a call in the ministry, a call to be a pastor. And I didn't really want to do it. By middle school, that's how young I was, by middle school, I was wrestling with this calling from God. Now, in the early service, I was standing behind the pulpit and you could barely see me over it. So it would be no surprise for you to know that I was always the smallest in my class. I was the youngest in my family. I was a little shy. I was a little reserved. The idea of speaking in front of a crowd terrified me and made me want to run for the hills. But this calling inside of me just wouldn't go away. When I fought it, it just got stronger. When I ignored it, which I tried to do for a long time, it just burrowed into my heart like a splinter. And it wouldn't leave me alone. And so my conversations with God sounded somewhat like Gideon's conversations with the Lord. I would say, God, who am I to be a shepherd of your people? Who am I to preach the holy word of God? Surely you can find someone braver or more eloquent or um, taller or stronger or more spiritual than I am. But time and time again, I would hear God, that still small voice, saying to me, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. You can do this. So sometimes those words would ease my anxious soul, and I would be okay for the moment. But there were many times when they didn't quite do the job. And that's when I would begin to ask God for signs. Much like that man, who was seeking for a sign from God, and he cried to God, let me hear you, let me see you, show me a miracle, like that man, I would seek assurance from God in signs. So in the quiet of my heart, I would whisper, God, God, show me if this calling is really from you. And God would. He would give me signs. They were small affirmations. Someone would um, ask me to lead a Bible study, or they would share how I've helped them grow in their faith, or they would seek me out for spiritual guidance. And with these little affirmations building up over the years, it was like that bird song in the trees, or the thunder rolling in the sky. It was those signs from God that I needed, and I felt them deep in my heart. I knew that they were messages from God, and it was enough over time to help me keep moving towards the path of ministry. Now, this is how it went for Gideon, too. So after the angel commissioned him and said, go and deliver God's people, and he, he um, said, I'm not sure I can do this, he asked The angel for a sign for a sign that this calling was really from God and the angel gave him one and it was enough it was enough for Gideon to accept this calling and become a judge after being just a young farmer and that's when his life got really really interesting because here's the important thing to know about asking for signs from God Whenever you ask for a sign, what you are doing is asking God to grow your faith. You are asking God to help you trust him. And so, when you ask God for a sign, you can expect God to give you one, but then you can expect God to help you grow in your faith. You can expect God to then ask you to take a leap of faith and trust him. Whenever we test God's faithfulness, God will often then turn around and test our faithfulness. Our testing of God's faithfulness often turns into God's testing of our faithfulness. And that's what happened with Gideon. So he asked the angel for a sign, and he got one, and then God asked Gideon to take a leap of faith. Here's what happened. The angel asked Gideon, once he accepted his calling, to then go and destroy his family's altar to Baal. Now this would inevitably invite war with the Midianites who were oppressing them. But Gideon, who was emboldened by the sign he received from God, obeyed. In the dark of the night, he tore down that altar and effectively began a war with Midian. But this assurance of the sign, this emboldened spirit that he had from that sign didn't last forever. So we find Gideon standing on the eve of battle and he's overlooking this valley filled with thousands and thousands of soldiers, more than he can count. And he starts to wonder if he's crazy. He starts to wonder if this is really from God. Because that army out there have been trained as warriors. They have been well fed There are more of them that he knows what to do with. And behind him, his army has been malnourished for years, and they are not nearly as trained. And so Gideon needs extra assurance. He needs a sign from God that he is doing what God wanted him to do. And most importantly, he needs a sign from God that God will do what God said he'd do, that God would deliver his people. So, we're going to read now from Judges chapter 6, beginning at verse 36, and this is the story of the conversation that Gideon has with God on the eve of battle. Then Gideon said to God, In order to see whether you will de- deliver Israel by my hand, as you have said, I'm going to lay a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there's dew on the fleece alone, And it's dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will deliver Israel by my hand, as you've said. And it was so. When he rose early next morning and squeezed the fleece, he wrung enough dew from the fleece to fill a bowl with water. Then Gideon said to God, do not let your anger burn against me. Let me speak just one more time. Let me please make trial with the fleece just once more. Let it be dry Only on the fleece and on all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night. It was dry on the fleece only, and on all the ground there was dew. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. So Gideon needs that extra bit of assurance so that he can lead God's people well, so that he can know that he's not leading his people into disaster, but into success. And God wants him to have that assurance, so God gives it to him. But remember what I said about asking for signs. Whenever you ask for a sign, you can expect God to give you one, and then you can expect God to ask you to take a leap of faith. Our testing of God's faithfulness often leads to God's testing of our faithfulness. So here's what God does. He tells Gideon, I want people to know, that it's my power that delivers you. Not you, not your army's power. So Gideon, I need you to trust me because we're about to whittle down your army. So first he tells Gideon, send home any of your soldiers who are afraid. So Gideon stands before his army of 30,000 and he says, anybody who's afraid, go home. There's no shame in it. 20,000 soldiers went home. He had 10,000 people left to fight this war, but God wasn't done testing Gideon's faith. God said, trust me in this, Gideon. We're going to whittle it down a little bit more. I want you to send your men to the stream and tell them to drink. Anybody who drinks like a civilized person and cups water and drinks it out of their hands, they need to go home. Everybody who laps water like a dog needs to stay. So Gideon sends his men down to the river and they drink as they are comfortable and only 300 men drank like dogs. So Gideon had an army of 300 men to fight this horde of Midianites in front of him. Gideon asked for a sign and then God gave him one and then God said, Gideon, I need you to trust me. I need you to trust me even in this. Now, my experience of becoming a pastor, of of accepting this calling from God, had that same pattern. Every time that I asked for a sign from God, God would respond and give me one. But then, God would ask me to take a step of faith in response. So I was invited to guest teach a Bible study, and I said, God, help me with this and show me if this is indeed a calling for me. And as I taught the study and was affirmed in it, I heard God saying, now go lead one of your own. I volunteered to be a liturgist in worship, and I said, God, show me how you want me to serve the church. And suddenly I was being asked to coordinate all of the worship volunteers, and I heard God saying, go be a leader in your church. I stumbled into a job as a children's minister, and I said, God, show me how you want me to serve. And the more I was able to craft messages and the children flourished in my ministry, the more I heard God saying, now go and preach to all generations. And an interesting thing happened. All of my fears and hesitations And reservations they didn't go away but they became less pressing when compared to the calling of God they became less threatening when compared to my ability to trust in God so yes I was still afraid of speaking in public I still didn't feel worthy of the spiritual responsibility of being a pastor But my fears and my doubts were insignificant when compared to my trust in what God could accomplish and his calling within me. So eventually I said to God, I still doubt myself. I may not have trust in myself, but I have trust in you, and I don't doubt you. So yes, I will answer your call. Here I am, God, send me. My testing of God's faithfulness led to his testing of my faithfulness. And what happened was that this give and take, this relationship, strengthened me. And it shaped me more and more into someone who loves and trusts God. And it shaped me more and more into the person that God called me to be. This is how it goes with Gideon, too. He's standing there looking at the army before him, surrounded by 300 men who are a ragtag crew. And he weighed his fear and his rationality against God's promise and his ability to trust in God. And Gideon had a choice. He could either trust in god or he could doubt himself and all of those signs had helped gideon learn to trust god more and more so he said to god i trust you with your help me and this pathetic group of men will deliver israel from their oppression and so it happened so it happened And it wasn't just his victories on the battlefield that made Gideon a great leader. In God's eyes, Gideon was a great leader because of his unwavering commitment to trust in God. And it wasn't that Gideon always had unwavering trust in God, it was that Gideon was willing to ask for God to help him trust. Gideon's heart was in the right place because he wanted to trust God. And because his heart was in that place, God honored him and blessed him. So whatever struggles you are facing in your life right now, whatever circumstances are daunting or hard, whatever calling you are sensing God putting on your heart, I urge you to learn from Gideon. Be honest with God. God for signs where you have fear or doubt and expect God to give you them. Ask God for signs to show you that he is trustworthy and that he is with you. But the key is that your heart is in the right place. The key is that you want to trust God, even in your doubt, even in your fear, even in your uncertainty. The key is that you want to grow in your faith. And expect God to help you do that. Expect God to test you as you test God. Expect God to help you take those leaps of faith. Because what happens, the more and more that we ask God for signs and then take our steps of faith, the more confident in God we become. So that one day we won't need to ask for signs because we are secure in the knowledge that God is faithful always and that God can do far more than we can ask or imagine. Let us pray. Oh God, you are so faithful to us. When we turn away, your love remains steadfast when we wander away from you, you go after us. And when we come back to you, you welcome us with open arms. You are with us even when we don't notice you. Your prevenient grace is working in ways that we can't even name yet. And for this, we are grateful. We lift up to you those situations in our lives that are scary or daunting. We lift up to you those callings that we feel stirring in our heart, and we ask for you to help us trust you. We lift up all those people in our lives who are facing difficult moments. Help us to walk with them and be a sign of your faithfulness. And bless us in this journey of discipleship, we pray. Bless us that we might grow more and more in our confidence in you. And that we might reflect you and your faithfulness to the world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.